0: We're now going to have our reading from the Bible. So if you've got one of the church Bibles, it's Psalm 8, which you'll find on page 546. Page 546 in the church Bibles. It's around halfway through if you're finding it difficult to find where Psalms are. Page 546. For the director of music, according to Gittith, a Psalm of David. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. If I may just begin by adding my welcome to that of Paul. And my name is Johnny, and I'm the vicar here at Christ Church Ford. And a particular warm welcome, if I may, to any here who are new, who are visiting us for the very first time. As Paul has said, we we decided over the summer to to gather together as families and to sit under God's word. Well, we're going to look at Psalm 8, but before we do so, would you join me for a short prayer? Speak, O Lord, and fulfill all your purposes in us this day for your glory. Amen. Amen. Well, I really am conscious this morning that there are lots of children amongst us, and it's really great to have you with us. You know, it's great being a child. You know, we are constantly amazed when we are our children. I'm sure all of us remember watching that bulb grow into a flower, that caterpillar that turned into a butterfly when we were in junior school or when in secondary school we were, we were fascinated by the, the human body and, and how it works or how our solar system facilitates life. And then the many developments that we came across in technology from cars to computers. As adults, sadly, we are really amazed. Let me tell you this morning, kids, it's really boring sometimes being an adult. (laughs) Honestly. You see, as adults, we have been conditioned by society to accept change and new things. So although we may just... Raise an eyebrow at some new development. there is very little which causes us to stop and express our amazement. Also, society demands, doesn't it, that we're always on the go that we're always doing. We have so little time to switch off our phones and actually think. You know, the sadness is, is that we can bring the very same attitude to the things of God very easy, isn't it, for us to allow God and his creation and his salvation to become mundane. We allow ourselves, you see, to think that we now understand the truth and wonder, really, if there is anything else for us to know. And consequently, we shut down our human senses to God and his great work all around us in our lives, you see, often on a daily basis. We live, or we find ourselves living in the down below, and we become consumed by it, tired often by it, and we forget to look up. We become complacent and forget that our primary purpose is to worship and praise the Lord. However, there are, aren't there, those precious moments, those precious times when our human senses to God are alert and we do become aware of him and his kindness and his provision for us. It may be a difficult situation or we're given a fresh insight into his creation. And when that does happen, I'm sure you would agree that it's almost like there is a, a spontaneous response from each of us for who God is and for what he has done. And then a measure of amazement that this God would love you and me. Well, Psalm 8 this morning is a wonderful example of this. And I want to encourage us, to invite us to briefly stop and consider this psalm with childlike eyes of wonder under three headings. The first is the praise of God. The second is what is humanity, what is man. And the third is the praise of Christ. Now, the psalmist praise of God the psalmist has his his human senses switched on and I imagine he is out at night notice there verse three perhaps he maybe he's he's taking a stroll or perhaps remember you know there it's the psalm of David perhaps he's on the run from Saul hiding in the mountains he might be afraid feeling small and then he looks up and his perspective is transformed Looking up into the night sky, he he sees the, the millions, the billions of stars, and he remembers that God made them. He sees how amazing this creation is, and filled with awe, he sits down and he pens this wonderful hymn of praise. You know, there really is nothing like God's creation to cause us to stop and worship and praise Him. The worship and praise of the Creator by the creatures should be an integral part of our daily lives. And if this morning you have lost a sort of felt sense of, of God, if you've lost that felt sense of His bigness which we've been thinking about and which we've been singing about, then I suspect that your relationship with Him has grown lukewarm. And if you're feeling this morning in the middle of the, the summer, in the middle of August, with all the rain and the misery that that brings, if you're feeling that your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is lukewarm, and you've forgotten how big He is, you've forgotten what it is to be to be captivated by your Maker and the fact that He is your Savior. And I want us to encourage. I want to encourage you this morning to take a fresh look at this Psalm. See, here is a man. Here is David, who is captivated by his Savior. And you'll notice three things about his worship. We see there in verse one that, first of all, his worship, his praise, his adoration is reverent. You see that? How majestic is your name in all the earth. The verse actually is remarkably similar to that cry of the seraphim there in Isaiah chapter six, verse three Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. The adoration is also intimate. See, the God whose glory fills the earth is our Lord. We are in relationship with him. We call him by name, our Lord. His praise, we see, is chanted on high, yet acceptably echoed from the cradle and the nursery. Verse 2. God is our father and we are his children. The adoration is also powerful. The praise of children defeats enemies and silences the foe and the avenger. See, God has ordained that even the smallest, most vulnerable representatives of humanity shall confound and silence those who oppose him. And this reveals the the enormous power and strength of our God. And as the psalmist reaches the crescendo of his adoration of God in verse 3, you can see a second amazing reality beginning to dawn. See, not only is God and God's creation amazing, but this God loves him. So much so that he finds himself asking, second, what is mankind? Now, if I want to, to make a point in a, in a document, I click uh, the, 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 um, the mouse on the icons at the, at the top, or I use my finger and I'll, t- I'll click the, the icons at the top of the, of the screen, you know, I, it's sort of italic. Um, uh, bold or, or, or underline if I really want to make a point then I'll click all three but the psalmist's computer sadly didn't have those icons and so to make a point in Jewish literature he used or they used other literary devices <coughs> such as um, repetition and we see that often in the psalms and repetition was used to make the point was to, was to emphasize something but in this psalm the psalmist incorporated another common literary device uh, to, to help his readers see what the main point was by topping and tailing the psalm you see with the same verse which we see there in verse 1 and 9 here the psalmist is pointing the reader to the to the middle of the psalm and the psalm itself falls naturally into five sections you've got the introduction or the beginning and then you've got the end or the epilogue verse 1 and 9 respectively and then you've got the prolog and the prolog is sort of the main the main bit and the psalmist is focusing our attention on the middle section of the, of the prologue, which begins there in verse 3. And right at the very heart of that section is our key verse. What is mankind that you are mindful of him? Or uh, they are <clears throat> mindful of him, human beings, that you care for them. Or actually a more accurate translation in the original is the son of man. That you care for him because, of course, this psalm ultimately points to Christ. And there in verses 5 to 8, we read then of how God has, has blessed humanity, has made them a, a little lower than the heavenly beings, giving them a, a special place in his creation, giving them the, the crown of creation and making them ruler over everything else he made. And I want us to notice two things from this middle section. First of all, God's goodness, and second, the psalmist's surprise. I don't know. Have you ever ever thought about this? See, out of the whole of creation, from sea creatures to stars, God only gave humanity the insight to stop and look at the night sky and ask the question what is humanity? The rest of creation, in actual fact, is, is content with its lot. But not only has God taught man to acknowledge him as creator, He's also taught man to, to converse with him, to, to chat with him, to, to talk with him. So remember back in Genesis 3 we read of God walking through the garden in the, in the cool of the, of the day looking for Adam and Eve. See humanity is the apple of God's eye. God descended on the, from on high on the, on the sixth day and he created humanity from the dust of the earth in his own image. And this psalm, you'll know, looks back to the Garden of Eden and God's ordained blessing upon humanity. And we can only marvel at the truth. Verse 5, made them a little lower than the heavenly beings. So in the order of creation, we are just below the angels and the heavenly host. Verse 5 again, crowned with glory and honor. So glory is majesty, it's beauty, and it's power. Glory and honor, they are attributes of royalty. They are attributes of God himself and of kings and queens. Humanity has been crowned a king and a queen of creation. Verse 6, ruler over his creation. I mean, this really is quite remarkable that God left us in charge. At creation, man was invested with a, a sovereign dominion over all things and is constituted their Lord. No, he that made the herds, the beasts, the birds, and the fish, he that knows them, he that owns them, he that loves them all has made humanity to rule over them. See, God's goodness to humanity or to men and women is impossible to fully comprehend. But what is very clear, and we see a reminder of this in this psalm, is that they were the focal point of his creation. So that's God's goodness. Notice also the psalmist's surprise. Now, that question there in, in verse 4 can actually, if you think about it, can be asked in different ways. And I was thinking about this this week. So take, for example, Psalm 144. That question mocks the arrogance of the rebel. What is man that he thinks he is so special? In Job chapter 7, the same question is the sufferer's plea for reprieve. What is man that he deserves this? In Job 25, it shudders at human sin. What is man that he does this? But here, our question has no tinge of pessimism. Only astonishment, pure joy, and awe. What is man? What is humanity that you are mindful and care for them? You know, to be, to be mindful infers that God is watchful, aware, and attentive. And he also cares, which is literally, he attends to. And you might ask ourselves this morning, is it surprising that the psalmist stands back, looks at the sky and asks the question, you know, what is man? Do we not find ourselves constantly pausing and stopping and looking and thinking, you know, what am I? Who am I that God would look after, would care for me, would love me? Would reach into my life, into my situation and pluck me from that and bring me to a knowledge of Him? Are we not amazed at God's goodness to each one of us, at who He is and what He has done for us? each and every day, his daily provision, the fact that we are even here this morning, the fact that we have air in our lungs, do we not pause and stop and worship our God and our Creator? What am I that you are mindful of me, O God? You see, the psalmist here has recognized the creative genius of his God, but he's also realized humanity's special place in creation. And his reaction, verse 4, is one of humility. What is man? Which, when you think about it, grates, doesn't it, with humanity's view of the world today. Well, humanity admires the beauty of the Peak District, what a beautiful place it is. They believe that it arrived simply by chance. See, he, man, humanity is top dog. Humanity has forgotten that they were made a little lower than the heavenly beings. They have forgotten God. And without the accountability of God, to God, the power has gone to to his head. So much so that he spent the first half of the last century trying to destroy the world through two world wars. And then the second half of the western of that century, basically seeing thousands and thousands of people die because of a failure to lead in and and reach out to the kind of developing world and all the, the starvation that was happening there. And on into this century, we see, don't we, the catastrophes around at any moment. You just think, will man do something silly and destroy this world, this planet? However, you know, as we pause this morning, it's not only the secular world which is guilty of forgetting its place in the order of creation. As Christians, we have allowed the values and standards of this world to creep in amongst us so that we compartmentalize God. We limit Him. We instead make us bigger, and the inevitable result of this is that we make God smaller. And whether it is things or relationships, attaining to the good life, or dealing with very real hard things, we look around and only glimpse up. Sometimes at the beginning of the day, often we only glimpse up on a Sunday morning. We see we can be so overwhelmed with the cares of this world, so busy, so exhausted, so trying to cope, to just get through the day, that God becomes smaller and more distant to us. And this psalm this morning is an unsurpassed example of true Christian humility. The psalmist, with all his difficulties, and yes, it's highly likely that he may well be on the run from someone who's trying to kill him has a right view of himself. He sees God's bigness. Consequently, he sees and feels his smallness and then again he sees God's bigness even more and he has perspective which is seen in his worship of God which is reverent and intimate. And of course, we note here the psalmist ends the psalm where he began by bringing the emphasis right back to God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, finally, let's notice the praise of Jesus. You know, in conclusion, I want us to to note briefly that the, the New Testament writers actually cast another perspective on this psalm and show that the psalm not only echoes back to the Garden of Eden, but also echoes forward prophetically to the coming of Christ and to man's final destiny. You don't need to turn to it, but in chapter 2, verse 6 to 8 of Hebrews, the psalm there is quoted, verse 4 to 6 is quoted, almost word for word. And then the Hebrew writer in verse 8 continues as follows. And let me read it to you. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. What's that saying? See, the Hebrew writer contrasts humanity's failure with his lofty destiny. We do not see everything subject to him. Not yet. But as he goes on to say, applying the psalmist's words, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. In other words, where man, humanity, has failed because of his sin, Jesus paid the price for man's sin, conquered death, and his reward was to be crowned with glory and honor. And very briefly, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 27, Paul quotes verse 6 of Psalm 8, "...for he has put everything under his feet." And that verse there is to show that Jesus will have the final victory and that you and me will one day fulfill our final destiny to become kings and queens and rulers over God's creation. What is man that God is mindful of him, that God cares for us? You see, the psalmist in this moment was overwhelmed by this fact. And we have seen this amazing truth demonstrated with the Father sending His own Son to pay the ultimate sacrifice, to show us who God really is, that ultimately Jesus is the King. So don't be tempted this morning. Don't be tempted to be consumed by this world that you miss the Creator God, our Lord, majestic triumphant, big. To understand how big God is is to understand how small we are. And to understand how small we are is to understand how big our Lord is. The Lord majestic, triumphant, reigning, who cares for tiny little me. So much so, that he sent his son, Jesus. And one day, one day we will reign on high with him to the praise of his name and glory. Amen.